Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 17, how Abraham laughed and mocked at God's I will promises, and instead Abraham tried to convince God to accept Ishmael as God's promise. Now, this message is available for free download, as well as all of our messages at the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor are available free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. They're also available at iTunes.com if you search for the Friendship with God podcast. Friendship with God podcast on iTunes, all available for free. And again, you can get all of the Friendship with God messages on your iPhone, iPad, or Android or smart device free. Now, you can learn how to do that and put that podcast app on your smartphone or smart device by going to friendshipwithgod.org. We've got the information right on our website so you can have the Friendship with God Old Testament teachings from Tom Cantor there and available on your smartphone and smart device. Now, we need your support at the Friendship with God radio program. This is a listener-supported program. And so if you'd like to be a monthly donor with a small donation or large donation, monthly or even a one-time donation, We can use your support. It also helps to support Jewish evangelism because these messages are made available free not only to you, the listener, but also to Jewish people who are searching for the truth of the scriptures in the Old Testament of who God is and who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So thanks for your support for those of you who are supporting this program. But we need your support to continue this program on this station in this city. So to donate, you can go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Go there now or after the program. You can also call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Now to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program, for those of you that donate $80 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, we will give you an amazing gift. Tom Cantor's DVD teaching series, Genesis 1 through 4. Now, this is an amazing DVD video teaching series. So we have Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and Genesis 4. Each one has four DVD discs. Each one has three messages on it. So you've got 12 messages per DVD on video. Tom Cantor's teaching from the Old Testament. But you've got 16 DVDs. And you've got 48 messages from Tom Cantor. And you've got over 40 hours of video teaching from the Old Testament. It's an amazing series, and it's animated with Tom Cantor teaching the Old Testament like you've never heard it before. Now, you can play these DVDs as well in modern vehicles that have DVD-capable players. So it's just like having a CD teaching series. And you've got the Old Testament right at your fingers and great teaching from Tom Cantor. It's yours for a donation of $80 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, which helps support this program, Bible teaching program, staying on the station that you're listening to right now. So call us at 800-247-3051. Again, $80 more donation, and you can have these 16 DVDs and 48 messages from Tom Cantor. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Or you can order this online with our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051. Now we're going to begin our Genesis chapter 17 teaching with Tom Cantor, but we're going to review what we've gone over on Monday and Tuesday. Now we've been looking at Genesis chapter 17, and Abraham and his seed had a covenant of circumcision with God. Now part of the covenant was unconditional. That was God's part. But part of the covenant with Abraham and his seed was conditional. They were to keep circumcision, as Tom Cantor taught us. It was for every male child, and circumcision was a sign, an outward sign of an inward change that happened 
in the parents, not just the child, because the child had no ability to have themselves circumcised. So it was a sign for them or indicators that pointed towards their keeping of the circumcision covenant. Now, the inward reality, as Tom taught us, is described by God as the circumcision of the foreskin of our heart, as Deuteronomy 10.16 shows. And Tom taught us the real circumcision is in the heart. The outward circumcision is only a token of the real circumcision of the heart. Now, the outward circumcision of the flesh cannot take the place of the inward circumcision of the heart. And Tom compared circumcision and baby dedication or baby baptism, that they are only signs for what is hopefully an inward decision later that someone will make to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Tom Cantor taught us that if a person has not died to self, if a person has not been crucified with Christ, then baptism or circumcision or any outward sign is not a sign of an inward change. Now, Tom Cantor also taught us about the Genesis chapter 17, I will promises. Now, those promises could not take effect by Abraham's old nature or our old nature, but have to take place by the new nature, trusting in God for those promises in that covenant. Now, here's Tom Cantor from Genesis chapter 17 teaching us today how Abraham laughed and mocked at God's I will promises, and instead, Abraham tried to convince God to accept Ishmael as God's promise. But think about the historical line on the other side, the 4,000-year line of history on the other side of the defining moment in history of the manger in Bethlehem. Think about the other historical 4,000-year side of the manger in Bethlehem. And for all those believers on the 4,000-year side of the manger in Bethlehem, when they looked at a verse like Isaiah 9-6, that we love to sing with Handel's Messiah, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We love to sing that. But think about that when they... They didn't sing that Handel wasn't there. But anyway, when they saw this verse, Isaiah 9-6... How did they have the child that was born, the son that was given, the Messiah? They had him like Abraham. They had the Messiah by promise. Like Abraham, God gave the Messiah to them by promise. And as with Abraham having a son, Isaac, the coming of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in human flesh, was so far out of natural reach As with Abraham having a son, the coming of the Son of God in human flesh was as natural as Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How unnatural is that? A virgin conceive? How unnatural. That's why Mary said, how can these things be? I know not a man unnatural, and as far out of reach as the promise to Abraham of having a son, by promise. And the Jewish rabbis make such a big deal about that coming of Emmanuel that they say the word Alma used there, it could not refer to a virgin. A virgin conceiving is as unnatural as a 99-year-old husband and a 90-year-old wife having a son. But in Genesis 17, Abraham and Sarah had their son by promise. And the Old Testament saints had their Messiah by promise. And you and I have our redemption by promise. And you and I have our home in heaven by promise. And you and I have our reigning with Christ 
by promise, all by promise, all by promise. It's, it was theirs by promise. It's ours by promise. They had them by promise. We have them all by promise. And just like Abraham's son was his by promise, what Abraham did was to surrender himself to the promises of God. And Abraham surrendered his reasoning, his natural reasoning, based on nature to these promises of God. And Abraham surrendered his understanding based on nature to the promises of God. And there's a verse in Hebrews that shows us just how much Abraham surrendered himself to these promises of God. And it's found in Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Even after Abraham had received the promises for Isaac and the inheritance in Genesis 17 that we've been studying before Isaac was even born. Abraham had Isaac before he was born by promise. And 99-year-old Abraham had Isaac by promise before Isaac was born. And after Abraham had Isaac, after he was born, when God called Abraham to kill Isaac, to burn him up as a sacrifice in Genesis 22, Abraham set out his day, fully purposed and determined to obey God, to kill Isaac, to burn him up as a sacrifice. And the question is, how in the world could Abraham be able to sacrifice the son that he had waited for for so long? How could Abraham do what it says in Hebrews eleven seventeen? He that had the promises offered up his only begotten son, because God gave Isaac to Abraham by promise before Isaac was born, and Isaac and Abraham had Isaac by promise before he was born, and Abraham had Isaac after he was born by promise. He had Isaac multiplying into a great nation. He had him before by, after he was born by promise, even before he, he, he had a wife, Isaac, because Abraham knew that a dead son before he was married cannot become a multitude. So if Abraham was to kill Isaac, was to burn up Isaac, Abraham had Isaac alive again by promise. And that explains why Abraham, when he set out alone, as he did with Isaac, and they both walked up Mount Moriah where he was going to kill and burn, burn up, uh, sacrifice Isaac, that Abraham, as he left with Isaac, turned to his servants behind him in Genesis 22.5, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. See what he's saying? Abide here with the ass. I and the lad, we will go yonder. We will worship. We will come again to you. So Abraham said that he and Isaac were going to return to them again. And the rest of the passage in Hebrews 11 makes it clear where it goes on to say, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that an Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham was used to this. He's used to looking at, at, at things that are dead, 
and then knowing that God will bring life out of the dead, Abraham looked at his body and the body of Sarah, and he said, I see death in my body. I see death in Sarah's womb. All I see is death, death, death. And that's brought out to us in Romans 4.19, where it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. His own body, now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He looks at himself. He looks at Sarah. He says, I see death, 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 death. And when Abraham saw life, the life of Isaac, come out of the death of his body, come out of the deadness of of Sarah's womb, Abraham said, I have just received life from the dead. And as Abraham is being asked to sacrifice Isaac, to kill him, to burn him up, Abraham is thinking to himself, because of God, I saw Isaac alive coming out of the dead, my dead body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And if God is calling me now to kill Isaac, to burn him up, all I can say is, because of God, I will see Isaac again, alive, coming out of, this time, the deadness of ashes. And that's how Abraham was able to go forward. Now, in verse 17, we read that Abraham laughed, and there are two sides of Abraham and of Abraham's response. On the one hand, we see Abraham was strong in faith. We've seen that. A man that we've seen him described in Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. But, like us, Abraham had another side. Abraham had a side. We have the side that's described by Paul in Romans 7.18. For I know, Paul says, Abraham could say, we say, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That was the natural man of, uh, natural man of, of Abraham. That was the natural man side of Abraham, which we all have. And that was the man, that was the natural man side of Abraham that responded to God's promise in Genesis 17, 17, where it says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Hebrew, Yitzhak. He laughed. He Yitzhaked. Or as we say it, Isaac. Abraham fell upon his face and he laughed. Yitzhak. Or Isaac. And that's what uh, laughed means, Yitzhak and Isaac. And said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old, and shall a Sarah that is 90 years old bear? That picture of Abraham laughing at the promises of God is a picture of the response of the world to God. There's one word that the world uses to describe the wisdom of God. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 1.18, where it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Silly. Ridiculous. Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Those who are perishing, who are on their way to hell, walking right down the middle of the road of hell, they look at the cross. They say, the cross? Oh, you've got to be kidding. Someone should die for my sins. Christ should die for my sins. That's foolishness. That's silly. That's a joke. That's Yitzhak. That's laughter. That's not LOL, like laugh out loud. That's YOL, Yitzhak, out loud. And so now you can write on your emails and text mails, YOL. So 
Now, see, go on in 1 Corinthians one twenty one, and it says this, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, see what it says. It pleased God that by the, that by the silliness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God that by the joke of preaching to, to, to save them that believe. It, pre- it pleased God that by the yitzhak of preaching, the laughter of it all, of preaching to save them that believe. See, God says, you say to the cross foolishness, you say yitzhak, I'll make that yitzhak cross to be the only way you can be saved and go to heaven. And just as God said to Abraham, you say about the promised son, Yitzhak, I'll make that Yitzhak son of yours to be the only way for the promises, especially the promise of the coming Messiah to come to true. And it goes on in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So God has made the, God has made the, the foolishness of God, the Yitzhak of God, wiser than men. God has made the Yitzhak of God, the laughter, the foolishness of, of God, stronger than men. Now it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Let me put this verse in the context of Genesis 17.17. 17. The natural man receiveth not, or who rejects, the things of the Spirit of God. For they are a joke, they're laughter, they're yitzhak unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So what we see in Genesis 17, 17, is the natural man in Abraham responding to the promise of God to have a son. And Abraham's natural man heard God's promise of a son, and Abraham's natural man heard this, and his response was, foolishness, Yitzhak, I won't receive it, I'll reject it, it's a joke, it's silly, it's foolish, I Yitzhak, I laugh at it, I mock it, I say, shall a child be born unto him that is 90 years old, and so Sarah that is 90 years old bear. That response of Abraham to the wisdom of God shows us that Abraham had a natural side in him that he constantly had to fight against, and you and I have a natural man inside of us that we constantly have to fight against. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man has no interest in the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is bored to death with the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man rejects the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is immediately prejudiced against the things of the Spirit of God. Prejudiced. When the Creation Museum applied for membership in the San Diego Council of Museum. Only eight museum members of the 39 museum members came to even see our Creation Museum. And all of them that came, they voted in favor of accepting us. But those who never even took the time to look at the Creation Museum voted against us. Why? One word, creation. A Creation Museum based on the Bible? Yitzhak, foolishness. That's a joke. The natural man does not receive the things of the Bible. 
The natural man finds the things in the Bible to be foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And that same natural man is in us. And it was in Abraham. And that natural man caused Abraham, in verse 17, not to receive the things of the Spirit of God, but to yitzhak them off, to laugh them off. And that same natural man is in us. It was in Abraham. The same natural man caused Abraham, in verse 17, to yitzhak or laugh at the things of the Spirit of God. That same natural man is in us and, and was in Abraham. And that natural man caused Abraham, in verse 17, to mock the things of the Spirit of God. And we, along with Abraham, struggle against the natural man that's in us and it, that laughs at God and mocks God. And verse 17 shows us the struggle that Abraham had, that along with Paul, who said all this, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which I find, that which, which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. And the evil which I would not, I do. And if I do that what I would not, it's no more either do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. That when I would do good, evil's present with me. For I delight in the law of God, but the after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind, I serve the law of God, with the flesh, the law of sin. This struggle in Paul that he's describing here is what Abraham was fighting against in verse 17. Abraham could say, I yitzhak, I laugh at the promise of God because in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I see another law in my members, Abraham could say, warring against the law of my mind. And that other law causes me to mock the promise of God. This ding-dong back and forth, believe God, laugh at God, believe God, mock God, it's driving me crazy. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And back comes the answer to Abraham. And back comes the answer to Paul. And back comes the answer to us. And that's in Romans 7.25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 17, it's really humbling for us. It's really humbling for Abraham to be reminded that he had this natural man in him that laughed at God and mocks God. And Abraham needed to be delivered from his natural man. It's so humbling for us. To be reminded that we have a natural man in us that laughs at God, that mocks God. And we need to be delivered from our inward natural man. It was humbling for Paul to be reminded that he had a natural man in him that laughs at God and mocks God. And Paul needed to be delivered. Now notice verse 19. God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Yitzhak. Laughter. Isaac. It's kind of humbling. When God, who knows our hearts, saw Abraham laugh and mock God, in essence, God said in verse 19, I heard that mocking, Abraham. I heard how you mocked me. I saw that laughter in your heart, Abraham. I saw it. I saw it. I saw the Yitzhak. I saw the Isaac. And God said, we need to memorialize this, shall we? Let's just memorialize that, that, that laughter, that Yitzhak. And thou shalt call his name Yitzhak. And thou shalt call his name Laughter. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Why? Why did God name Abraham's promised son Laughter? Because God never wanted Abraham to forget that Abraham had a natural man that laughed at God 
that Abraham had a natural man that mocked God. And so for an eternal reminder, God named Isaac, Yitzhak, Isaac. So the name of Isaac would be an eternal reminder. Because the name Isaac means laughter. So every time Abraham would think or, or call his son, he would be reminded that he has a natural man in him that laughs at God and mocks God. And every time Abraham would hear Isaac's name, Abraham would be reminded that he needs the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of his name. We need the Lord Jesus Christ along with Abraham and Paul for the sake of his name. And what is his name? Matthew 121. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Every time Abraham heard the name Isaac, he would be reminded that he needed the Lord Jesus Christ to save him from his sins. And every time you and I hear the name Isaac or Yitzhak, it's a reminder to us that like Abraham, we need the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, the sins of laughing at God and mocking God. And the next time you meet someone with the name Isaac, you should say to him, do you know that your name was given by God as a reminder of how much you and I all need the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver us from our sins, the sins of mocking God, the sins of laughing at God? Let me explain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, that you work with us, that you don't cast us off, that you love us, Lord, so greatly that even, Lord, after when Abraham did this, that nevertheless you said, now come on now, Abraham, let's repair Let's go on. Let's be stronger. Follow me. Help us to follow also, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We need your listener support to continue this Bible teaching radio program. Donate at friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org.